Here we go. I want to, I want to talk, I, I believe when it comes to each individual, when it comes to their journey of faith, we have certain anchor points, uh, especially, for example, if you've had a health issue and you've experienced healing, uh, you would be a massive advocate for people believing for healing, for people believing for health, people believing for God to heal them. And so there are certain anchor points. I believe when I look at my life, there are certain anchor points. I think one of my major anchor points is the presence of God. Uh, or another anchor point is faith. And today's message is a simple message, but I honestly believe it is, it is probably one of the most powerful messages if you apply it in your life. Uh, especially if you're a person that goes through anxiety, somehow this message is going to be intertwined with some of the struggles that you may face. And so uh, I just want you to really say, I'm not waiting for that next punchline or the next revelation, but I just want the Holy Spirit to speak to me. And I really believe that it's going to be quite powerful as we do that. So why don't we pray? Father, we thank you. Lord, as your word has spoken that anytime we hear a message, be it once, twice, be it 15 times, that anytime your word has spoken, it is fresh, it is new, it is relevant. And I pray that you would anoint this word, that you would anoint my mouth, and that you would fill this place with a with a, with, with a capacity of faith that's being able to receive the word that's going to come. I thank you, God, and I give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Have you ever had a conversation with a person that while the conversation's going halfway through, you zone out? Don't look at your wife. But, <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? Like they're talking, they're talking, but then they're over-explaining it. And, and you zone out. Now, that doesn't happen to Lee and I, in case you're wondering, because I'm a very attentive husband, uh, you know, uh, and, and true story, actually, this week, Leah told me 15 times the grocery list, 15 times, I forgot, and I go back home, and Elise tells me the grocery list. Like, my gosh, it's like, Daddy, did you forget this, 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 this? I'm like, girl, I'm impressed. No, I've got two of you to please. And then you've got Nora coming along. But, but, but here's my thing. Like, you know, ever, ever been in a conversation with a person who was going good, but then you start thinking, and it's not like you're being disrespectful to that person, but you just zone out. Not because they're mean or they're bad, but just something, something comes up. Like, oh, I think I'm running late. I think I'm going to be late there. Or I've got, I've got dinner plans with that person, but I didn't text them. And tell them. You know what I'm saying? Your mind starts traveling. You start zoning out. Uh, and it was exciting when the conversation began, but then you sort of tap out. Now, uh, now Lee and I play this game, or we used to play this game with Elise, uh, where, we, where we sort of do this thing. I don't know if you're a parent, you would know this. But we do this thing where... She's talking to us, and suddenly we act like she's deaf. Do you know what I'm talking about? So, so we literally start moving our mouths. And, and Elise starts getting confused, like, why cannot I hear mom and dad? <laughs> I'm serious, we do it. And, and, so like, you know, and, then, and then we start getting like, like freaked out for her. I start, I start trying to get the bottle to pour it into years. Like, like we just try to like do it. And, and at one time, one time we were doing it and she puts the TV on. And, and so like we talk, like, and she's like, I can hear that. There's nothing, and so she goes, there's nothing wrong with me. There's something wrong with you. And so we, we, we kept doing it. We kept doing it. We kept doing it. And one day she does something. Uh, like in the whole time, the power was with us. But one day as I'm doing it, Mid-sentence, she grabs the remote and starts pressing the volume button. 
And so now, like, she's in control. So I've got to increase my volume. Then she pressed reduce. I've got to minimize my volume. Like, like it's amazing. She just took charge of the moment. And, and, and it was one of those things. That, and now when sometimes I'm trying to discipline her, she'll take this invisible remote and she'll just do this. You know what that means? I'm muting the conversation. I can't hear what you're saying. Mute the conversation. And I know we laugh at this, but do you know there's a story in the Bible where that actually happens? There's a story in the Bible where literally God, or rather an angel, mutes a person. And I think we all know Jesus. Jesus has a cousin called John the Baptist, uh, which from this moment forward, we'll know him as JB. That's not Jonathan Brown, that's John the Baptist. Uh, we, we had a cousin called JB. And, and, the, and the thing about these guys were their destinies were intertwined. Uh, Jesus needed John the Baptist, and John the Baptist needed Jesus. And John the Baptist was significant because he was symbolic of the Old Testament, the, the, the bit in your Bible where you don't seem to understand, there's a page in the middle, and all of a sudden the next part of it makes sense. That bit that you don't understand, that's supposed to be symbolic of John the Baptist, and then Jesus. And so, but, but the thing was, John's, John's mom and Jesus' mom were cousins. And so there's this crazy story where and I don't know if you know the Christmas story. And the Christmas story is this, this, this husband, this, this, these people are uh, engaged, Joseph and Mary. And, and, and they are about to have a baby. And, 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 and the problem with them is they are too inexperienced. They're too new. They shouldn't be having a baby. So that's jo Joseph and Mary. On the other end of the spectrum, you've got Zechariah and John the Baptist's mother, who's Elizabeth, whose name I forgot, but now I remember, uh, you know, who, who is too old to have a baby. And isn't that funny with life? Like life has this thing where either you're too inexperienced or too unaware or too unqualified to be doing what you need to be doing, or it's too late to be doing what you need to be doing. It, we live in this constant spectrum when God is about to do a new thing and we, people around us get excited, but we go, I'm too old for that, or I'm too young for that. So, so the struggle that Mary had was she was too young. And what would people think about me? The struggle that Elizabeth had was, I'm too old, my time is up. And I think that bears witness to every single person in the room because we're either too young or we're either too inexperienced or we're too overqualified or we're either too old, no matter what we're thinking about. And so there are some of you at a place in your life, but you're just sort of like, what is the next thing? And God's saying things to you, but you're like, isn't that a bit too late? Or am I not, I'm not ready for this. Can I say to you, if you're living in that tension with the fact that it is too late or I'm too young, you're the perfect candidate for God to do something incredible. In fact, if you think you're ready, most times you're not ready. That's just a sub point. So we've got this scenario and there's this massive thing that happens because there's this guy called Zechariah who's John the Baptist's dad. And John, uh, Zechariah is a priest. And so what priests would do back in the day was they would go into the, the, into the temple and they would do this incense unto God as an act of worship. Uh, nowadays we sing songs to worship God. Back in the day they burned things. I'm not sure which I prefer. Some days I want to burn a few things. But anyways, so, 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 uh, is this from where I was born? We like burning things. <laughs> take that off the video. And so, uh, and so we've got, we've got this, this, this priest that's going into the temple. He's worshiping God. And in the middle of that, he has his encounter. And this angel comes to him 
And in fact, I want to read the story because I want to read to us from Luke 1, verse 11. It says, when Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing, in the, standing right on the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. A lot of times people tell me, I wish I could see God. Most times when you see God, you get a bit overwhelmed. Most times God doesn't physically turn up just because he knows that you might have a panic attack. Verse 13, but the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayers. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. Verse 14, you will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice. So here's this angel who spent three to four scriptures telling him how exciting this is. Casting vision. Have you ever needed a cast vision for somebody to have a baby? I mean, it's like, come on, you know what I'm saying? Casting vision about the baby. This baby's gonna do great things. Take this, do not be afraid. Verse 15, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. Thank God he said he did not say he should not drink coffee. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. I mean, talking about spirit-filled baby, verse 16, it says, and he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the father to their children, and he will, he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Now, he, the angel has spent four scriptures explaining the position description of this unborn baby. And, you know, you should be excited. But Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure this will happen I am an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. And that right there is the mental argument so many of us have when we get a word from God. How can this be possible when I cannot afford to do this? How can this be possible when I, cannot, I don't physically have the time to make it work? How can it be possible when I do not have the experience to be doing this? How can I be doing anything that God's put in me when, when I do the math, it just doesn't seem to work? God, I get it that in your world, it's strawberry scented and you've got angels floating on clouds, but in my world, we've got stuff to deal with. I think a lot of times when it comes to the things of God, that's how we approach it. We will amen and shout and celebrate and, you know, sing songs around the promises of God. But when we go back into our world, it's sort of hard to translate what God is wanting to say. Now check out the response in verse 19. The angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now since you didn't believe what I said. Now I want to pause there for a moment because some of us, especially living in this modern age and day and age, we live in a day and age where we can ask questions. I mean, Dr. Google's waiting any moment. He neither slumbers nor sleeps. You can pull him up at 3 a.m. in the morning and Google about that series that's coming up in April. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can ask. And so sometimes with God, we can be that way. When we look at it, Zechariah just asks a genuine question. But sometimes what we might look as the pursuit of reasoning can be nothing but a demonstration of our unbelief. I think some of the questions we have, I, I, I was... I was in conversation and praying a few days ago, and I felt God put it on my heart, and God began to say, Alvin, I want you to think about areas where your faith ends. And I said, what does that mean? Okay, you can believe me for this, and you can believe me for that, and you can believe me. But what are the things that you, that's too hard to believe? You know, we wouldn't go there, but this was one of those areas where Zechari Zechariah, here's the funny part, Zechariah, had faith enough to believe that when he burns a few things that an angel would come. But he did not have faith to believe that God wanted to bless him with a promise. I wonder where does our faith stop? Where does our faith go? And, and, and then it says, 
in going on to say in verse 20, but now since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silent and unable to speak until the child is born, for my words will be certainly fulfilled at the proper time. In other words, the angel just took out the digital remote and hit mute. Can you imagine? Zechariah is talking. He just hits mute, and it's all like, and it's like nobody needs to hear what you have to say. And then it says in verse 21, Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally came out, he couldn't speak to them. And here's the crazy part. Then they realized from his gestures and his silence that he must have seen a vision. Now, all of a sudden, I love how people spiritualize everything. Like, we know that Zechariah has just been reprimanded for his unbelief, but people think, oh, he's a wise man. He's just been with God. In fact, the book of Proverbs says that even when a fool is quiet, people think he's smart. Food for thought. But, but here's, here's what I'm trying to say. He comes out, and it's sort of like, you know, he can't talk. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the pressure? Like, I'm excited about this baby, but, man, I'm waiting. Like, can we, God, for once, can we have a premature baby? Like, you know, I'll take care of this child. I'll do whatever. I just want to talk. And, and, and the, literally, the angel muted. I want you to know what the angel did that day was the angel muted this, where his faith Stopped. And can I say where our faith, the place where our faith stops is the place where we stop beginning to trust. In other words, what the angel did was the angel muted the mistrust. And that's the title of my message. The angel muted the mistrust. A few weeks ago, I was on the phone with Pastor Tim Hall. And we were just talking about life and talking about family and talking about uh, the crusades that's happening in, in PNG and some of the things, exciting things that's, that's happening later part of this year. And as we were talking, he began to share some things. And he said, Alwyn, I don't, know, I don't know if you know this. He said, I don't know if you know, but the Jewish calendar, uh, they don't just have a word for the year, but they have something called the word for the decade. And I said, no, I didn't. And he said, the word for the decade from 2010 to 2019 was it's the decade of sight. It's a decade of vision. It's a decade to see. And then I said, well, Pastor Tim, what is, the, what is the word for 2020 to 2029? He said, it's a decade of speech. It's a decade of speaking. And I want to really talk about, because I feel like sometimes a lot of what we speak is in aligned with where our trust in God stops. And I want to, I want to encourage us to mute the mistrust in our life when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to the promises of God. I find it so funny that when we, when we join hands and pray together, I mean, we don't join hands. That's a bit awkward. I'm just being rhetorical. They might, might, might do that in other environments, but we don't join hands. But so don't feel uncomfortable. Don't hold anybody's hand. So, so I find it that when we, I'm just being funny. I find it that people are like, oh, no, I can't hold hands. I'm sorry, honey. I, I'll talk like we don't hold hands in this church. This is that kind of church. They've got rules about hand holding. No. If you're married, you can hold hands. <laughs> but, but, <laughs> oh, tough crowd. Tough crowd killer. I can't do the Aladdin thing. Like, I'm just not fit enough to do the Aladdin thing. So I'm sorry. I can just use my mouth. So uh, we're getting there. So, 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 I don't even know where I was. So we're talking about vision. And, and I, I find that when it comes to prayer, we can pray and say all sorts of things. But we, when we walk out of the room, we walk out with such unbelief. We walk out with such mistrust. And I think a lot of that has to do with our speech. Check out what it says in Proverbs uh, 18, verse 20. It says, a man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, and from the produce of his lips he shall be filled. Now, I thought that what would fill me, what would satisfy me, would be maybe a new job, maybe 
you know, money, maybe some materials, maybe God doing something else outside of me. That is what is supposed to satisfy me. But my Bible is saying that my words can satisfy me. It's interesting. The Bible does not say other people's words. See, a lot of times we wait for assurance for everybody else, but it says the produce of your lips shall satisfy you. Isn't that crazy? The, the words of your lips can satisfy you. In other words, when I wake up in the morning, I have been given the invitation to declare that I'm the head and not the tail, that I can declare that I'm anointed and called by God, that I can declare that I will see the goodness of God manifest in my life, that when I have a need, I can say my God will supply all my need according to His riches in glory. That when I say that, something begins to happen inside of me. I don't need to see it yet, but when I start speaking it, something begins to happen. Seth Godin says this. Seth Godin's not a prophet, so don't look him up. He's a marketing guru. He says, people don't believe what you tell them. They rarely believe what you show them, but they often believe what their friends tell them, but they always believe what they tell themselves. I'll say it again. People don't believe what you tell them. They rarely believe what you show them. They often believe what their friends tell them, but they always believe what they tell themselves. In other words, I want you to understand that every individual has something called their inner dialogue. And what was happening that day when the angel of the Lord faced Zacharias was he just spoke forth his inner dialogue. How can it be? I can't believe it. It's not possible. We cannot have this child. We cannot have this baby. What is that inner dialogue of unbelief that we have? Check out. This is a standard scripture. We all know this. Proverbs 18, 21. It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, the Bible is telling me that my words, this is the next part of it pretty much. The first part says, your words shall satisfy you. Then it goes up a notch. In other words, God's saying your words will not just satisfy you but your words can actually speak life, death and life. And, and, and I think we know it. And that's the problem with sometimes knowing some things. You know when you know something, you think it, you know it, but it's sort of just living in your cupboard, but you don't apply it. But I really want us to be people that take hold of that this year, take hold of that this season, take hold of that this decade, and start changing the way we speak. Start changing the way we speak about ourselves. Start changing the way we speak about our family. Start changing the way we speak about our health. Start changing the way we speak about our finances. You may not be able to pay for it, but by the grace of God, God will supply my need. God will be there. Start, stop speaking. The reason why some of us struggle in our health is because we haven't embraced who we are. We don't, we may, maybe you're struggling with the way you look or the way people perceive the way you look, but I want, I want to encourage you this morning. I want you to change that inner dialogue and say, no, I'm created in the image of God. I'm beautiful. I'm handsome. I'm created. I'm a child of God. And as you begin to do that, it changes and it begins to speak life. Now, I think we know the creation story. If you don't, I'll share with you. It's in the first page of your Bible, Genesis chapter one. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness covered the face of the sea. And then it says, the Spirit of the Lord began to move over the waters. And then it says, God said, let there be light. So then we go through a, good to see Jackson in church. Man, good to see you, bro. How you been? You almost blended in. I was not sure we were there. Good to see you. How old are you now? Sorry? 20. Man, looking good. Sorry, just had, just had a moment. I haven't seen him in a while, but good to see it's good to see when you've got people in the house. You know what I'm saying? Taking the word. Jackson's in the house, getting ready. I'm going to look at him. He's got a secret notebook there. Come on, Jackson. Anyways, why don't we put our hands together for Jackson? All right. 
I, 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 am, I am genuinely happy to see you. So good to see you. But Genesis 1, I'm a bit distracted today. Genesis 1, we notice something. When God's about to create, every time God's about to create, he says, let there be light. Let there be trees. Let there be animals. Let there be plants. Let us create. Anytime God is about to create, he speaks. There's a a principle theologically that theologians say called the principle of first mention. And what that means is whenever something happens, whenever something happens for the very first time in scripture, that is the original purpose. Are you with me? So when worship happens, where's the first time worship happened? When a giving was given, what was, the, what was the motivation behind it? It's good to study because it's called the principle of first mention and it's got a rhythm throughout scripture. So the first time, in other words, what am I trying to say? The first time language was used in scripture was not for communication. It was for creation. Which tells me that the secondary purpose of language is communication. But the primary purpose of language is creation. I wonder what it would be like if we would enter our marriages in a place where we're not just communicating what we are disappointed about, but we start creating our marriage. I believe that my marriage is going to be great. I believe you're going to have a great time. I believe you're going to have a great week. Can I encourage people? If there's something in your world that you're struggling with, God spoke into chaos. Out of darkness, he called light. Out of death things he called life. Out of things that did not exist, he called for things that were to exist. And can I encourage you this year, as you begin to speak, you begin to see life happening. I'm going to say this. Your current life is the result of, yes, primarily your action, but secondarily also your speech. If you don't like your life right now, you don't have to be somebody else or be something else. You can speak life. And here's the thing. You're like, Alwyn, I'm not articulate. I don't know what to say. There's a lot of scriptures when it comes to your health, when it comes to your family, when it comes to your finances, when it comes to your jobs, when it comes to any area of your life. There, is, there are over 8,000 scriptures that directly talk about blessings that we can get a hold of. And as you do that, all of a sudden, you begin to speak life in such a powerful way. It changes everything. And I need you to understand that. I like what verse 21, if you can put that up, Uh, Once again, it says, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life. So a lot of, this scripture is very popular, but it's only the first part that's popular. How many of you heard this? Death and life and the power of the tongue. How many of you heard that scripture, right? But we haven't read the whole thing. The whole thing is, and those who love it will eat its fruit. So it's not just good enough to say, okay, Pastor Alwyn said, talk about life. So God, I I, I need this, and God, I need that, and I'm going to have, it's not just that. This is not this premeditated thing that you read from a script. The key of this thing lies in, verse, in the second part of the scripture, which is those who love it will eat its fruit. What is it? Solomon is saying those who love their tongue. Did you, did you just hear what I said? Those, you're like, what? I'm supposed to have a love affair with my tongue? Yes. <laughs> those who love, you're like, yeah, I speak in tongues. I'm not talking about that. <laughs> Come back Tuesday night. We'll talk about it. But this, no, Tuesday night, there's nothing happening. <laughs> Those who love it will, I'm extremely naughty today. Those who love it will eat its fruit. In other words, you cannot speak. You, it's not about following a script about, oh, I need to say this. You know those books they write? Five ways to change your marriage. 21 ways to get better with money. All these steps. But unless you embrace it within, there is no power to it. 
In other words, there's no point in being positive. There's no point in saying all... Have you ever met a person that says all the right thing, but you're like, man, uh, like you just sound like you just listened to a sermon and you're just repeating that to me. I don't think there's real revelation in what you're saying. That's what it means. You cannot just mimic... This is what God is saying. Don't just mimic the word. Memorize the, memorize the word. Meditate on the word. Embrace the word. And understand that you've got to fall in love with your mouth because the moment every time you open your mouth is an opportunity to speak life or to speak death. And I tell you, when we have that approach, see, the problem is I think our, see, okay, let's talk about this. What is prayer? Prayer is talking to God, right? So prayer is a conversation. So we're praying, and God, I believe you. God, I trust you. God, you're going to do this. God, you're amazing. God's going to, and then someone comes home, and, and so God's sending angels, all right, do this and do this and move this. Someone comes home, and you're like, oh, man, I don't know what's going to happen. So the angels are like, is this person schizophrenic? Like, they just prayed all these things, but now their confession is another thing. See, when you begin to fall in love with your mouth, you will begin to guard your mouth. See, it's, it, this, this is, I'm going places this morning that I, I, I wouldn't usually go. But here's the thing about faith. Whatever you believe in, God will anoint. So if you believe that your mouth has no power, God will anoint that. Are you with me? If you do believe that your mouth has power, which is what the Word says, God can back that. And I think a lot of times we can walk away from church just trying to just repeat what's been said, but I really want this to be an inner revelation of the power of your mouth. Can I say to you, if you get a hold of this, it will change the way you look. It will change the way you speak. It'll change. Can I tell you, I don't know if you know this. I grew up in the Middle East, and in the Middle East, when I grew up, you could not access a lot of resources. You could not access a lot of teachings. You could not access a lot of people look at what we're doing today, and they're like, how did you end up in Australia? How do you have a church? What is happening? Can I say, when I was growing up as a teenager, I would speak. Father, in the name of Jesus, I, do, I believe that Australia will be saved. I believe that there will be people that will be changed. I believe that there will be people that will be transformed. Father, I thank you that you will use me in my school. You'll use me in my church. You'll use me to the nations. It's not a pride thing. It's I, I literally believe the Word of God, and I begin to speak it out, and that's my faith for you, that in 2020, that you would stand and believe that God has a Word for you, and speak it out. Speak it out. Speak it out. How many of you heard this word, a double-edged sword? I'm using a lot of religious jargons today, a double-edged sword. If you've been in an old-school church, it's like, yeah, that's not going to happen unless you take all the double-edged sword and the flags come out. What is a double-edged sword? A double-edged sword is a, is, is, is a twice-spoken word. In other words, God spoke it. He's waiting for you to speak it. It's a twice-spoken word. It's what you're going to anoint. What is, what is the fruit of your lips? When you wake up in the morning, what is your confession? It's not what we're doing here on a Sunday. Tomorrow morning, when you wake up, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, what is that inner dialogue? What is that inner confession? And I need you to understand, when you begin to understand that God has literally anointed your mouth, He's anointed your lips, it changes everything. That also means God also looks at your Instagram. Not literally. But most times when people are putting stuff online, it's an overflow of their emotion. So be careful what you post. Are you getting what I'm saying? It's not just what we say. See, this is not, I'm not giving you, oh, from now on, say these 10 things and you'll be good. That's, I'm, I'm trying to change our mindset. 
it's our interaction, it's our conversation, it's our tweeting, it's our posting. And can I say, for some of you, the greatest thing you can do is not jump on North Lakes community and put everything that's happening on your home. We need to get some bulbs here. We need to change that. Uh, yeah, some lights need to come. Well, that was for someone watching online. But, but here's what I'm trying to say. I think sometimes we share too much with people that really do not care, with people that really cannot do anything about what we're going through. Can I say change your confession? I know I'm, I, this sounds like a one-line one message, but I'm, trying to, I, I'm literally feeling like as I'm sharing this, I'm doing surgery in some of your minds. I feel like I'm creeping into your brains and I'm putting these thoughts and I'm saying, I want you to change your inner dialogue. I want you to change your inner confession. And, and, and spouses, I want you to be accountable to each other. Some of you are going to walk away and say, we've got to change the way we think. Now, sometimes you may slip. And that's okay, because you're on a journey. Tomorrow you might be great, Wednesday, okay, Thursday, you know, because we, but can I just say, be a student that says, I want to embrace the power of the words, the power of words that God has given me. And it, it really, really makes it powerful. Now, some of you are like, I thought this had to do with anxiety. Have you, have, has anybody here had an anxiety? probably won't ask that like don't show me your hands that was just rhetorically hands going up as engaging the audience but has has anybody here had a had an anxiety attack i've had a few and 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 an anxiety attack feels like a heart attack if you if you've had one you sort of know what i mean and and what really begins to happen is you start shaking but the biggest thing that happens is it's similar to a panic attack it could be sort of differentiated but but it's all intertwined but the biggest thing that happens is something happens to your heart and you feel, like, you feel like this big mass is developing or this pain is developing within. And can I say to you, the Bible talks about anxiety attack. You're like, what? That's right. Should have checked on the book before we jump on Facebook. Proverbs chapter 12. <laughs> Proverbs chapter 12. If you, 11 a.m., we've got discovery, your gifts happening. It's going to be more funnier if you stick around. Proverbs chapter 12. <laughs> Verse 25, check out what it says, anxiety weighs down the heart. In other words, anxiety puts this weight on your heart. Some of you are like, I cannot believe the Bible's talking about me. That's the beautiful part about Scripture. There's nothing, you know, this is what Solomon says in the book of Ecclesiastes, there is nothing new under the sun. You know that thing you're going through, that crisis you're going through, that addiction you're going through, that attack you're going through, there is nothing new under the sun. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. My translation says weighs down. It's like a little weight in your heart. But then check what it says. But a kind, there we go. But a kind word cheese it up. And some of you are like, that's right. My husband's got to be more kind. <laughs> no. A kind word from here. A kind word from here. A kind confession from here. See, see, the crisis that you're dealing with, nobody understands, but there is one who understands, and his name is Jesus, but he's also given you the keys, and the key is the word. And can I say to you, when you have a panic attack, yes, it might be difficult, yes, it might be hazy, yes, you may lose yourself a bit, but when you hold yourself together, start confessing, no, my child is going to behave. I'm going to be the greatest mom my child can ever have. I'm going to be the greatest dad. I'm going to be the greatest parent. This business is going to thrive. I'm going to make it through school, university is going to make it, we're going to make this through. When you start speaking it, all of a sudden that kind word cheers up your spirit. And can I say it's really, really powerful. And I want to encourage, I want to encourage you this morning. If I can get the worship team up, that'd be great. I want to encourage you this morning on being that person 
that can carry that spirit, that carry, and it takes, it takes a journey, and the journey is getting into the Word of God. It's by saying, God, I'm, 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 I, ch- I want you to change my perspective of how I see things. I don't want to just get inspired. I don't want to just get, do, do you know, there are different levels of the Word, of receiving the Word. The first level is when you're inspired. Oh, that was good. That was a good video. That's a good message. But then there's a second level where you, you, you begin to embrace it. And it becomes you. And it begins to become the seed inside of you. And you're just sort of like, man, that's not just a good word. That's living inside of me. See, God cannot just, God cannot anoint, God cannot bless inspiration. What he can bless is when it begins to form inside of you. When it, becomes to, when it begins to become a part of you. Like even right now, some of you are getting fired up. But I believe there are some of us that, that there's something happening on the inside. You're just like, man, I feel like this is speaking to me. I feel like this is relevant to me. Can I say, get a hold of this word? Don't just say, thank you, Pastor Alvin. Say, thank you, Jesus, for that word. I'm going to walk away. Pastor Alvin, I'll see him on Sunday, but I'm taking this word with me into my Monday, into my Tuesday, into my, into my, and, and can I say something? This, this is probably my last thought. You know this whole thing called faith? You know, the Bible talks about how without faith, no one can please God. Sometimes that can be a bit difficult. It's like, God, I don't have faith. So what do I do when I don't have faith? Have you ever been in those places? I don't, I don't have faith. What do I do when I don't have faith? But here's the thing. Do you know God has more faith in you than you have faith in Him? See, think about it. Why would the God who created the heavens and the earth, who can speak an embryo into being, needed to mute a man? Because God knew that His inner dialogue, that His language was so incredibly intertwined to his destiny it's almost like you're like why would God do that but God will do that with us and and the reason why some of us are not entering into the promises of God and some of us are not entering into what God has for us is because we don't understand the value that God has placed on our words see a lot of times people say well I value the word but you know what God says I value your word I value your word and, and God trusting my lips is the greatest indication of His faith in me. And the Bible says, while we were still faithless, you are still faithful. And I mean, it comes back, it's pretty simple because it comes back to the salvation message. What is the salvation message? If you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart. See, God is not asking you to kill a few things. God is not asking you to burn some stuff. God is not asking you to buy a t-shirt. God is not looking for any of that. If you just speak it, God will believe it. How crazy is that? Like, what kind of a deal is that? Like, you know, when it comes to any relationship, hey, you got to meet me there, you got to meet me there. But God literally is sort of like, I believe in your words so much that if you say it, I actually believe it. Because that's the power I've given your mouth. And so this morning, maybe you actually don't have a relationship with Jesus. And you're like, I want to start this relationship. What do I need? Can I say it is so simple? It's as simple as just believing. And it's as simple as just confessing. Saying, I believe in my heart that God has a plan. I believe in my heart that God created me. I believe in my heart that God has a better plan for my life. I believe in my heart that God died for me. Jesus died for me on the cross. I believe in my heart that He is raised from the dead. I believe in my heart that when I put my faith in Him, I have complete relationship with God. I believe it. And now you're saying, I don't just believe it. I want to speak it.